What does it take to make workshops work? And how can we facilitate collaboration that sticks and leads to results? My name is Miriam Hapnes, and with the Workshops Work podcast, I'm on the mission to find the magic ingredients that make workshops work. Today with me on the show is a returning guest, Joop Hegger, who is a voice coach. And we speak about how we can use our voice to have more voice. So stay tuned. And by the way, if you don't have pen and paper at hand to take your own notes, scroll down to the show notes to download my free one-page summary. And now, lean back and get inspired. So thinking of the shy person, who has a shy personality, there's nothing we can maybe do about that. Maybe we can, but that's not topic of our conversation. And you explained that through body language and opening the body and just giving the voice more space helps the shy person to be heard in a more effective way. And now I wonder if we turn it around and look at the person who would take too much space with their personality, could there be tricks to use the voice so that their personality is less intrusive? Thank you. That's an excellent question. I do get that a lot too, especially from people who who are real like doers and got to a particular point in their career just because they're so great at achieving things, right? But then these people would be stuck, right? Because like at one point you need to get everybody on board, not just the people who want to run. Essentially what I would invite them to do, as well as the shy individuals really, is to imagine the audience. Assume that they're going to be copying how you feel in your body based on your voice type and ask yourself the question, how do I want, like, who is this person? Where are they coming from? How do they want to feel? Or rather, how would I want them to feel? Right? So with this dominant individual, they would typically, well, one of the things that I see a lot happening is they, they don't get their entire team along. And this is a problem for them because they're doers. They want to achieve stuff. And then half the team doesn't like get on their train. And what I would recognize or realize when I would try to embody how they feel, not like jumping on my train, and then asking myself the question, how do I want to change that? How do I want them to feel? The answer is almost always at ease in the basis, you know, like feeling at ease. And that doesn't mean lazy. That just means no stress. There's no anxiety breaks and anxiety can fire in the, in the first bit of its, you know, of stress happening. But on the mid and long term, it definitely slows processes down. It becomes not like a, uh, like a, like something, a blocking factor, right? And that's what I mean with ease. It's the place where you, where you're trying to be in the flow state, essentially, right? Or facilitate like <laughs> getting close to a flow state with your individuals that you're trying to get along through your voice, right? And how that translates to voice, because there will be some listeners who are like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Give me some, like some, some actual clear things that I can hold on to. In the voice, that just means what we've seen earlier. It means not pushing, not the slight, slightest bit. And adding to that, not being too loud, right? Being loud like freaks people out sometimes, right? Especially the shyer individuals would feel freaked out. This is a free voice. I'm not pressing, but I'm loud, right? And notice how when I am medium loud, which is like just the tiniest bit louder 
than my conversation voice earlier because I'm super close to my microphone. I don't have to like be super loud. This is my conversation level of being in a medium large meeting room, right? And now I'm going to stress something. You can stress stuff by making it much softer than your mean loudness, right? So it's to like to all of those people who are bigger personalities, you know, doers, people who are like and who are I would typically like guess based on my experience that these are people who would stress stuff by making it louder, stuff that they want to get across, making it louder, making a point, doing something like this, even if it's subtle. But if they would do the same thing, making it softer, you would like lure people in. People would be like, oh, I'm getting closer to this table. I'm getting close to this speaker. I'm even getting closer to my machine that's playing back the audio. Oh my God. You know? So that's, I think in a nutshell, well, that's the longest story. So in a nutshell, try to like, embody what the other people other person might be feeling like try to really really copy what you're seeing happening they're drifting away your communication is not working try to imagine what that would feel like how are they feeling and how would you want them to feel instead and then copy that into your own body try to embody that into like straight into your vocal sound and i bet it's going to be free sounding and not that loud Mm. i love the example with the loudness it's so true and i think intuitively we tend to do the opposite as you described and i was wondering i can imagine that if you only listen for instance to a podcast would you be able to hear whenever someone is surprised by a question or feels insecure about an answer do you hear it in the voice yes oh yeah this is it (laughs) <laughs> a lot of umming like both of us are not the the meanest ummers around but most people would just um uh uh yeah so that's something that you can notice like when so when people start saying uh and yeah so uh or don't do that at all but start by saying so the word so so Like the subtitle to that is, I need a bunch of time to think about this question and it makes me feel in a weird way that I have to still assess and get my head around. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so it's rather the words we use or the sounds we create than the voice itself. Because our voice breaks when when we're excited sometimes. Because also there's a lot of cramping and stress going on, I guess. So it's back to and what the you sound, said it's um, the if that's body the question that... the sound you can yeah you can definitely hear it too a retreating sound right imagine walking a street you're just briskly walking you're is it a thing briskly you're rapidly walking and you see a hole in the ground last minute like at the last moment before you you would dive into the hole you see the hole what your body does immediately is slowing down Right, coming to an like coming to a halt, you hesitate for good reasons. You don't want to drop into the hole, right? In speech, the same thing happens, right? You ask me like an, a surprise question, and what I do because I'm in conversation, I would probably respond, right? And if I do respond, then I would have like the same retreating action. So what I'm, I start exhaling less. I pause my body, and the effect of that is exhaling less, which has the which is like limiting the amount of loudness that comes up from 
And my voice breaks at one point, just straight up breaks, but like it gets less loud and it might as well go down a bit in pitch. Especially if they're melodic singers, like coming from a melodic background, like like um, stereotypical Italians or Swedes would be very melodic in their speech, right? So you would, they could be hearing if they're listening, they could be hearing a decrease in pitch. Be like, yeah, yeah. Goes down. Why? Because higher uh, pitches need more airflow. So if you limit the amount of airflow, pitch goes down. Uh, and then. The better our posture, the more relaxed, the more airflow, the more oxygen comes in. And hence, if we really have an important an important day where we want our voice to be heard, we better oh, yes. wear comfortable clothes. Yes, don't stress yourself. And this is where fashion is an obstacle for us sometimes. We have this, you know, we have this aesthetic ideal where the waist is nice and slim. And not just for women, like all women listening, like men, <laughs> men suffer from this problem, <laughs> even as if they're casual and not speaking about it. So what this essentially means that we're holding our belly buttons in. Now, what does that do to my voice? Do you think it? Um, yeah, I'm stressing my abdominal. So what is that? Like I'm doing it right now. Right. So this is so, yes, absolutely. Allow yourself some comfortable Clothing that will will allow especially your lower abdomen to just be as free as it can be. Yeah. And then it can quickly become a vicious circle relating back to what we said in the beginning. So if I don't feel comfortable in my clothes, so by voice, so I, I'm pressing my abdominals so everyone can hear it. This sounds very weird. But then, as you said in the beginning, this also triggers kind of doubt or does not facilitate the bonding in the beginning or the trust. So then I will get the negative feedback loop that someone might respond in a maybe cautious way, not fully lean in. And then I become even more yeah. insecure. So my voice becomes more pressed. Yes. And then and what I want to do stress for um, individuals who are not so super experienced as you are in, in facilitating, right? Because you, you know, you know, very correctly related to a process that is happening between people, but we didn't quite get there uh, explicitly uh, in our conversation right now. So I want to take a step back for the listeners and be like, the process that's happening within yourself, right? Where, where you're hearing your own self and you're like spiraling yourself either up or down in terms of tension and emotional development. The same thing happens in between people. We did say that other people copy as good as they can subconsciously how we might feel, but... The missing link here is that we then register them doing that, right? So they will their body language adjusts. If they speak, we can hear that their voice does too. And this creates not just cycles within the people themselves, but also within the group. You know, we're a group species. <laughs> species. <laughs> species. Species. Tongue breaker. <laughs> so uh, yeah, in a group, when you facilitate for a group, you're, this is a group dynamics. Absolutely. Yeah. So it becomes even more important as facilitators to invite our groups. Okay. Although you might wear kind of very formal clothes at work, if you come to this workshop, please wear something comfortable. So there's even a new layer to this. Yeah. Or something that is both like professionally representative or um and but also like casual enough for you to feel casual yeah 
Ja. Yeah, maybe no sweat. Yeah. I want to relate back to a common expression that is setting the tone, because this is essentially what you do then, right? Setting the tone is taking the first initiative in the group dynamic that we just pointed out. And tone is a bit of a weird word. It's, it's, it's referring to sound color, to pitch, to atmosphere. You can have tones of color, you know. So it's a bit of a word that like in clear communication should be avoided. But because it's a common expression to set the tone, um, I want to refer to, to what we just, I want to use it, right? To, to refer to what we just said in terms of what happens in the group. Yeah. True, because tone is also um, almost like an implicit norm. Right. To set the tone is to exemplify the culture we want to see more of. Yeah, but in the group situation of a workshop, that's very much desired. As facilitators, it's our job to set the tone. And not just to set the tone in like the second minute, because that's too late. We have to set the tone immediately. Even before, you know, like you and I know that set, like communicate, like creating the atmosphere of a workshop happens partially well before the actual event, right? So even then, this thing of imagining what this other human body is supposed to feel like, what we want them to feel like, which is essentially what we want them to feel afterwards when they leave the workshop with all those results, you know, we should have that in mind when we are uh, allowing ourselves the, the frame of mind to start thinking about how we want to communicate on beforehand, right? It's, it's an integral, integral uh, package, really. Yeah. And since you mentioned workshops, what makes a workshop fail? Failing to do the, just that. Failing to set the tone. Yeah, because what happens is it's, it's an almost guarantee to get into a downward spiral that is not entirely fixable, right? Because... Like, I want to get back to this job interview, like a uh, well-studied example. If we fail to set the tone right there, it's impossible to fix, apparently. So say the, da the data about that, right? Um, the same works in workshops. If we fail to set the tone, it's going to be impossible to fix entirely. And even if we fix it to a mean level, that's not okay because we don't want mean outcomes. We want perfect outcomes or at least good outcomes, you know? Um, so what makes a workshop fail? Failing to vocally set the tone. And I would like to emphasize that because among facilitation geeks of workshop facilitation, very often we speak about creating a safe container. So it's all about psychological safety. And now it feels like there's another layer of safety coming in, which is almost physical safety, but not talking about the tiger or an aggressor, but just feeling safe in our body and having this ease so that we can communicate and hear each other Yes, effectively. Thank you for pointing that out because it allows me to point out that the voice is never working in isolation. A year ago, I visited a workshop in some, some sort of body work and it stayed with me because the first thing the host said was... Okay, everybody, I am unsure of what I should say now. And he went on for at least two to five minutes about how, how insecure he was. But what that did to him physically that I heard instantly after my initial surprise of him like not running a script was gone was 
his body is so relaxed. Him giving into his emotion right there is is making him so relaxed that his voice is opening up. And I was looking around, and people were copying it instantly, and that stayed with me because it was such such a powerful example. We always stress like taking the TED Talk approach, like rehearsing every single step. But this person did the immediate opposite, and it was the best opening I ever witnessed emotionally. I was never that open to receiving new information. Awesome. Thank you for this example. And it underlines something that I somehow believe in, and I was never able to put my finger on it, what it is. It's the notion of authenticity. Because I think if we are truly authentic, we are not cramped, we're at ease. Because we're not wearing masks, we're not trying to pretend yeah. no TED Talk mm -hmm. style. Exactly. This brings me back to the what I meant earlier uh, about this aesthetics versus a workable voice example. Like if we would want to copy what we think is right, what we see aesthetically happening in that TED Talk video, that is not us, that is something else, right? If we ask ourselves, what do I like? What is resembling my taste? And that's even just like that. Those are those five voices that we can listen to forever. Those are our taste, right? And if we then do that, we are facilitating our authentic selves. So dear audience, go out there and just dare to be you because this will be the most effective strategy. What is your number one facilitation challenge? That's an excellent question, as you can hear by my long pause. <laughs> Could be discomforting. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I like, I like this. It's definitely not people asking questions that make me think. It is people who are participants. Now, when there is a large deviation between participants and their level to emotional openness... Groups tend to be somewhat coherent, right? They will be from, a, like, people will work in the same team or will live in the same town or you name it. People will be a, a group that knows the group dynamic, right? People will be more or less alike, even if it's incorporating very many different individuals who are experiencing very different authentic selves for themselves, Right? What I find hard is when that is emotionally not the case. Like voice work, I typically host workshops in voice work, right? Voice work is going to have an emotional component sooner or later. Even like when I notice that a group is not that much into, you know, that you're not, they're not the, the yoga crowd. <laughs> they don't like meditate every day, which is like perfectly fine. I have no opinion about that. I just simply facilitate them by taking the more scientific approach. You know, giving them things that they can register, measure, and then work that way. And then through the back door, though, if they're successful, they will have changed their emotional state. And the other way around as well, I facilitate people who are more emotional, emotionally talented, I would say, and not so much intellectually talented, or where the balance strikes more in that direction, I would rather say. I would facilitate them that way. I would stress, I would like start by doing body work, essentially, to tune in with the emotional communication power of the voice and they will make sonic adjustments too that i that i can hear and measure but that may not be relevant information for them now what i find difficult is when these when in one group there is one individual that is completely different from the rest if both groups are represented in one group it's no problem i just explicitly say that 
But if one person is different, different than the rest, then this group dynamic of being different is one that is almost impossible to overcome because it is about group dynamics, the thing that I'm referencing. It's, it's about the voice. And, you know, it like almost always works in the end, but it's something that does challenge me. Yeah. And I can imagine if this one deviating individual is then also the highest paid person in the room or the leader or someone who is, is taking lots of space, just not physically, but uh, energy wise, maybe then it can be a real struggle because they can then, so not only their voice, their body language, and therefore they basically put at risk the safety that we talked about. Yeah. And can endanger the entire workshop. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that question. That was an excellent one. Yeah, I started asking this question about the number one facilitation challenge. And I love what I hear, all the different answers. And I, I think it's also interesting for the audience to hear that even experienced facilitators still have their own challenges. Yeah, we're just human after all, you know. <laughs> what? <laughs> Is there anything that we have that you would have liked to share that we haven't touched upon? I think we have touched upon most things. I would want to stress one thing that we have touched upon by rephrasing it once. And that's that I experience myself and the people that I work with finding it hard to make their vocal experience something truly enjoyable because it can be right if we ask the question how do we want these other people to feel how do we want us to feel ourselves when we are in the role of a speaker in any case it doesn't matter if we're on that stage or in that meeting room or having that private conversation or you know wherever there's a component of self-realization to the voice right like i'm literally realizing subconsciously or consciously myself when i speak i'm hearing myself there's this anecdote i don't know if it's true that if you release a child in a in a forest somewhere it'll be perhaps puzzled or scared at the beginning but at one point it will be singing to itself or mumbling at least being vocal and this always like brings this thing back to me where i'm like yeah it makes sense because there is this power of the voice what's happening all the time so why not take use of it that we hear ourselves and realize that we are still here. You know, it centers us, even if we don't notice. And how about we, we are conscious about that and be like, mm, this is feeling good. I feel good. I don't like, quote unquote, only have to have an easy sounding voice and like a voice that communicates being in the right place to, for me to feel in the right place and to be feeling this space to start playing with the situation like I play an instrument. You know, like I start... I start enjoying reality to the point where I can reshape it for myself, you know? And that's a powerful element that is always incorporated in any type of vocal interaction. And since we talk all the time, this might as well be something to consider for people. Like when we're facilitating, I usually take a split second to enjoy the fact that I'm there and I'm sounding and I'm like, yes, this is the perfect, like, I'm so glad everybody's here. I'm so glad I am here, you know? And I notice myself starting to do this in other places too, 
even just at the like at the counter at the supermarket or having a phone call with a random stranger or a friend you know like having like talking to a friend on the phone you know many of my friends live abroad and I'm like oh I'm so glad that I'm hearing your voice I'm so glad to hear me reply in an open and free embodied space and you know that may be taking it a bridge too far for some individuals but like that's that's something that I enjoy so much personally and when I see that feature of being human essentially being opened and available to other individuals I see them reacting similar so that's something that I wanted to restate and thank you for doing that what I could immediately see and sense is when you showed your gratitude for your voice the voice of your peer whether it's at the supermarket or your friend you open up your smile so what I realized was I can't imagine how effective it is and I will I might put some sticky notes here and there as reminders because it's a gratitude practice it is self appreciation and appreciation of the other voiced so outspoken so by showing your gratitude your appreciation to hear someone you're allowing them space you're allowing yourself space so you're instantly creating this kind of safe container and you're practicing gratitude all of these things that scientifically proven fire up these happy hormones yeah very well put <laughs> oh, thank you wonderful yeah and thank you so much If anyone in the audience wants to learn more about you I put the links in the show notes and you also recently started your own podcast about the human voice. Yeah, the human voice explained. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to your never done before workshop. Yeah, me too. And if people have just random questions about the voice, you know, always feel absolutely free to uh, to go into my website that you can find in the show notes and ask. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for staying tuned and for listening to the show. I know how busy you are and I appreciate that you're sharing your two most valuable resources with me and my guest, your time and your attention. If you're looking for more conversation with other facilitators and for a community of practice, why don't you join Never Done Before, the community that I have built and many of my podcast guests are already members. Visit neverdonebefore.org and I wish to see you there.